shepherds watch their flocks by night all seated on the ground The angel of the Lord came down and glory shone around Sweet bells, sweet chiming Christmas bells Sweet bells, sweet chiming Christmas bells They cheer us on our heavenly way Sweet chiming bells the views and opinions on this podcast are that of the hosts and represent no other individual, organisation or Christmas entity. To you in David's town this day is born of David's line, a saviour who is Christ the Lord and this shall be the sign. It's here, Adam, our Christmas show. Yes, it is. It's currently the 22nd of December that we are recording it, and we are recording it in person. Yeah, it's great to be here with you in person. Just before Christmas, Adam, and this is Adam and Roger breaking the Christmas news. We've got a really special show this week. We've, we're going to do less of the live news. We're going to still cover four articles for you. And then we're going to talk about the top stories of 2022. And then we're going to go over our predictions that we made last year to see who, if any of us, got the most correct. Yep, so we're in for quite a rather big show, I would say. Make sure you've got a drink ready, sit down and um, just relax whilst you hear us covering a bit of latest news this week and also the some of the biggest stories of the year. Me and mine have been very busy this week getting ready for Christmas and I've done all sorts of podcast and radio nonsense this week. What have you been up to, Adam? So this week uh, I've been focusing on my uh, university assignments a bit. Um, I've still been doing some running, going out and about. And on Monday I went out early in the morning and it was actually quite mild and nice for the running. It was. The wind was warm on Monday, wasn't it? It was. Well, it was coming up from the southwest. although seems to have got a bit cooler again, but not as cold as what it was. Everyone seems to have shut up about a white Christmas now, haven't they? Yeah, it's very unlikely to happen. Um, Scotland, they might get some a white, uh, a white Christmas though, but um, I don't think we're going to get one here. Well, before we do start, uh, I want to do this live while we're recording. Adam, I have a little Christmas gift for you here, oh, beautiful, you. beautifully wrapped in my own style. Merry thank Christmas! You. I hope Merry you Christmas. like it. Go, go on, have a look at it. Sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let's have a look. GB News <laughs> mug, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, pleasure, mate. Well, now you can sip a, sip your tea and pretend to be Nigel Farage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Oh, um, pleasure. Well, Adam packs away. I want to just talk about the Christmas present that you could give to us, dear listener. It's a simple thing. An email. Tell us what you think. Share some news. Share some opinions. It's breakthenewspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I'm sure hopefully we'll get one soon and hopefully you enjoy our Christmas specials. So shall we get into it? Absolutely. Let's get through the news and then we can talk about the year of news that we've had. 
one present which may not be the best is Elon Musk quitting Twitter. Um, I was very disappointed about this, but Elon Musk has said he will resign as Twitter's chief executive officer when he finds someone foolish enough to take the job. The billionaire had promised to abide by the result of a Twitter poll which saw 57.5% of users vote yes to him quitting the role. He says he will still run the software and servers teams after his replacement is found. Changes on the platform since his takeover have been much criticised. Elon Musk ran this poll. Should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of this poll. And then um, 57.5% said yes. 42.5% said no. So there you have it. Um, Most people actually voted for him to quit. And um, he then responded. It took him a bit of time to respond. I will resign as CEO as soon as I find someone foolish enough to take the job. After that, I will just run the software and service team. Obviously, the BBC has lots of analysis on it. I think it's a bit crazy of him to just post out a Twitter poll. People obviously want to see drama, so people are going to vote yes anyway, aren't they? Well, the BBC have been a bit naughty about this one because they've had a lot to say about this. On the day he put up the poll, I got three BBC news alerts about this saying, Elon Musk has put a poll up saying he's going to quit. So clearly the BBC wanted people to go on the poll and vote. And then it said, Elon Musk is losing the poll that says he's going to quit. And then when when the poll did finish, BBC News then alerted me to that as well. To be honest, it it could just be Elon Musk trolling everyone. I mean, it's a Twitter poll. He doesn't have to abide by it legally. He could just step down for one hour. Obviously, he still owns the company because of him personally. He'll just be employing a new chief executive because obviously he can't focus on the job and it'll be interesting to see who he gets. But I think he's probably going to get someone that supports more censorship and... That may not be a good thing for Twitter, but the BBC and The Guardian were very quick to cover this poll. They both really wanted um, people to get Elon Musk off Twitter, didn't they? (laughs) A little Twitter poll is not going to do it. It's only Twitter. And when I I realised, I was like, oh, God, I don't want this to happen. So I went and saw the poll. I voted no. And, yeah, realised there were a lot more yeses. I considered this whole Musk Twitter thing for our top stories of this year. I think it came in at number four, so I left it off. Because, I mean, we've been discussing it since summer when we talked about it down in the Bradford Caves, didn't we? But I've realised, actually, with all of the money, power and resource that he has got, surely he could do more with it than mess around on Twitter. I'm I'm fed up of hearing about Musk messing around on Twitter. I do think Twitter has a lot of influence in our news and I can see why he wants control of it because it sets the centre direction. People get to see what other people are posting. Young people spend an awful lot of time on social media now, but if Twitter loses its influence, then it's not going to have as much influence. But at the moment, Twitter does have a 
big influence on the news. I always find Twitter to be a lazy source of news. Anyone who writes a news article always knows that they can pad it out by another two or 300 words if they search for the subject on Twitter and post whatever people have tweeted about it. You know, almost any news story you hear, you know, oh, Marjorie from Bournemouth tweeted, Boris is a disgrace, you know, and that ends up in The Guardian. Bournemouth residents say Boris is a disgrace. That I think that's part of why Twitter has become so big, because it encourages lazy journalism. But you do actually find a lot of important news on Twitter as well, and you can sometimes see news that other people are unaware of, so Twitter can be a useful source. And it's a way for people to voice their opinion. Well, I find it more fun to do this with you, to voice my opinion, Adam. Yeah, it all depends on how many people you've got listening to you as to how big you are, and obviously we're not very big. (laughs) Well, Musk and Twitter is going to rumble on. I reckon that he won't properly quit as Twitter CEO. Everyone will whinge about it, but it's tough luck. I don't know. What what do you reckon he were expecting? Do you reckon he were expecting most people to vote... No, and he was trying to prove the point that the media is wrong and that most people are in favour of free speech. Do you think that's the reason why? Because most of his Twitter polls had won in the past. Do you reckon he were expecting it to go his way? I suspect he was testing to see how many bots and fake accounts and things there are on Twitter. He was trying to take the temperature of the audience and he probably expected yes to be like 99.9% with over a billion votes, but the system has held up and it's been sort of fair and democratic. Well, it might have been testing to see how much work he's done on controlling the bots. Um, He might also want to test the public mood on him as well because he'd got loads of criticism from left-wing sources about him. He'd actually censored some um, news sources, but then he put them back after facing criticism and he got condemned by the UN and also the EU. So they were being politically biased because they didn't condemn the other Twitter owner when they banned people like Donald Trump. It's ridiculous, though. It's not legally binding. It's a Twitter poll. It means nothing. It means nothing, but he's always, he's always, gone, he's always um, stuck by what uh, the Twitter polls have said in the past. Well, that's his choice, but it it doesn't have to, you know. It's a bit like the Brexit referendum. It it wasn't actually in law, but uh, we did choose to stick by it. Or stick by it partially. But but that wasn't on Twitter. I mean, Elon might as well have just posted, what Harry Potter house do you think I am? And the BBC would have probably led with an article saying, Elon Musk gets placed in Slytherin. I, I find it really hard to care about this one. Yes, he's only been in it for a few, about a month and then it goes out of it by looks of it. It might just be getting too stressful for him as well, we don't know. Yeah, maybe he's got bored of his new toy. <laughs> yeah, or wants someone else to do the work, perhaps. To be honest, I, I wouldn't mind that. I'd rather he got back to sending rockets to space and developing self-driving cars. That's actually useful. Yeah. There was also some big news on the Rwanda migrant plan this week because it was ruled to be lawful by the High Court. So the court ruled on Monday that the scheme did not breach the UN's Refugee Convention or human rights laws, but the cases of eight asylum seekers had not been properly considered and would need to be reconsidered, judges added. Home Secretary Sawala Braverman 
said she is committed to making the Rwanda policy work. A hearing will take place in January to deal with any appeal applications. Ms Braverman said, We have always maintained that this policy is lawful and today the court has upheld this. I am committed to making this partnership work. My focus remains on moving ahead with the policy as soon as possible and we stand ready to defend against any further legal challenge. Labour's Shadow Home Secretary Vera Cooper called the policy unworkable, extortionate and deeply damaging. Responding to a statement by Ms Braverman in the Commons, she said, Instead of sorting out problems with the asylum system, the Conservatives have put forward a plan which risks making trafficking worse. Richie Sunak said he welcomed the High Court ruling, calling it a common sense position that was supported by the vast majority of the British public. What it seems is that it's going to be faced with appeals, potentially going to higher courts, according to the likes of Kefa Kelly, and it looks like it might go to the European Convention of Human Rights. Do you think they're going to lose that? Probably, yeah. Or at least the flights won't take off. Yes, and even so, um, they managed to appeal lots of individual claims before the European Court of Human Rights got in, so it kept getting less and less, and then the European Court of Human Rights got involved after the charities stopped it. Um, got them to get involved and they managed to stop that plane from taking off at last minute. Now, they could actually take it off today because it's now classed as legal, but obviously they want to wait and see what the appeals say and stuff, so they're being very cautious because then obviously if they appealed and they'd already done it, then they could potentially be in serious trouble. So they've got to wait for all the court process. This is going to take years, probably, and... It looks like it's not going to happen because there's going to be so many appeals. It's going to go to different courts and um, some court is probably going to rule against this and that'll stop it from getting taken off anyway. And even if they do get taken off, there's no doubt individual claims are going to be blocked and that means only a few will actually go to Rwanda. So if only a few actually start going to Rwanda... How's this going to be a deterrent? It's like only a few die. That's not a deterrent, is it? And meanwhile, the Rwandan government are having a right laugh because they are getting millions of pounds from our government for doing absolutely nothing. In fact, we are worse off because I think part of their agreement with Rwanda was that we'd accept some migrants from them. Mm. So you know, we've actually got more migration into the country and we're giving away money I, for nothing. I didn't actually hear about that. And even though it will take years for this to happen, our government has had years. Priti Patel had years. If she'd have got her skates on and actually organised this properly and in good time, this could be off the ground by now. But it isn't. And the government are running out of time. And I, I don't. I agree with you, Adam. I don't think they're going to do it. And they've got an election coming up in probably 2024. If this boat crisis continues... 
and the cost of living crisis continues, of course, and all the legal immigration continues. Do you think the Conservatives will actually um, win the next election, or do you think they've already lost it? Already lost. Already lost. Probably have, to be honest. Unless we go through 18 months of unparalleled growth and prosperity, which I hope we do, there's no way that people are going to forgive the Tories. Yeah, and do, do, do you think we're going to go through a load of growth? We Today we got, well, the previous GDP, which was predicted to be 0.2%, a decline of 0.2%, but the actual figures show that it was actually zero, um, a decline of 0.3%, so the economy does seem to be shrinking. We're still going down the toilet, we're just not going down it as fast as predicted. Well, as fast as some had predicted, but um, yeah, uh, we're going down faster than others, so yeah. Um, the ONS um, uh, last predicted that we were going to go down by, that we'd gone down by 0.2%, but we'd actually gone down faster than that, 0.3%, so that is a concern. And um, other European countries had actually recovered the GDP growth from before the pandemic. We haven't recovered all our GDP growth in this country. Well, maybe we can make some predictions about that on our next show. Yes, we can. Talking about economics, there was some significant figures. Government borrowing hit its highest November level on record last month, driven by the cost of supporting households with the rising cost of living and energy bills. Borrowing the difference between spending and tax income reached $22 billion, a rise of $13.9 billion on November 2021. Interest on government debt also surged by 50.1% to £7.3 billion. The Office for National Statistics, ONS, said inflation was the main factor behind the rise in borrowing. As energy prices have soared, the government has stepped in with its Energy Bills Support Scheme, which provides a £400 non-repayable discount to all households in England, Scotland and Wales. It has also launched the Energy Price Guarantee, which limits typical households' bills to £2,500 per year. These costs were the main reason government borrowing had hit its highest level for the month since records began in 1993. ONS Chief Economist Grant Fitzner told the BBC's Today programme, UK inflation, the rate at which prices rise, eased to 10.7% in the year to November, but the cost of living is still rising at its fastest pace in 40 years. It means that UK is facing its biggest drop in living standards on record as the surging cost of living eats into people's wages. This doesn't look good. There is some light though, um, I've got to admit. The energy costs um, do appear to be falling. If we look at our commodities, um, we can go into the commodities we, we are seeing that the, the gas prices, um, although they rose, uh, they, they do 
um, in November. They do seem to be coming back down again after, as we get milder weather, but they are still a lot higher than like before the pandemic, for example, where they were right down there. There is going to be cost, but obviously with the price cap now capped at 2500 a year, hopefully the governments will not have to bail out quite as much, but they're still going to be bailing out a significant amount. Um, so hopefully that will reduce it. But obviously in terms of the debt, it went high in October, it went down a bit in November, but it now seems to be coming back up again. If Once that bonds go up, um, it means that uh, the government gets charged a lot more interest on its... Um, on its debt, um, which is a concern. So there, there are some good points, but there's also some bad points there. And if we can reduce inflation and we start lowering interest rates, we'll also see government debt borrowing go down. So the main goal is probably to reduce inflation, to be honest. But have you seen these strikes in the NHS? They're asking for massive pay rises and it looks like the government's going to give in because they're announcing potentially emergency legislation to try and make it so that they can um, intervene faster and give them um, a fast pay rise. So it looks like they're probably going to give in to the unions, which will cost us even more money. So that is a concern. They've certainly spent money on more stupid things than nurses, though. I mean... The borrowing for energy bills that you've talked about there in the article, Adam, I think is actually ridiculous. It's the equivalent of, imagine if you've got a sink that's overflowing, mm. right? Are you going to spend your time mopping up the water or are you going to pull the plug on the sink so the water drains away? Uh, you're going to pull the plug on the sink. Exactly, but our government is mopping up the water. Yeah. They're not actually solving the problem, which is the rising cost of, you know, cost well, of energy. Liz Truss was going to actually introduce fracking, and she was actually going to introduce more supply-side ways to sort out the energy crisis, but Richard Sunak isn't doing that. So Liz Truss actually had a better strategy on the energy than Richie Sunak, but obviously she got booted out. Well, she was too radical. She tried to do too much too soon. That seems to be the consensus of her reign. But another equivalent for me is like being given money to pay my energy bills. I'm disgusted that the government has had to give me money to pay my bills. I should be able to pay my bills. Instead of giving people money to pay, pay the energy bills i mean how much have people received so far like a grand two grand i have no idea i've lost track on it all to be honest there's been so much apart couldn't you just use that money to give everyone a solar panel to stick on the roof reducing everyone's energy bills forever i agree this is smart thinking not just short-term weakness i agree there's been there's mistakes made and there were actually a plan recently to and make it so that uh, more homes get better insulation. So hopefully that'll get rolled out, and that's probably a good thing. But like I say, um, solar panels would actually be, yes, they'd be expensive, but they'd actually be a quick fix, and they would actually benefit the country as a whole in the long term. This is it. If they said to me, you know, would right, would you rather have, you know, what one thousand pounds to pay off your energy this year, or a solar panel on your roof that might save you ten percent a year for the, you know, the next fifteen to twenty years? It's a no-brainer, really. Yeah. How come no one in government has thought of this? Yeah. 
I know it's um it's crazy, and Liz, Liz Trust was actually trying to increase supply, and but like I say, obviously I, I, every um, would need people to fit them, and um, obviously Liz Trust would also need people to build um like um the extra fracking places and the extra power supplies. Brilliant! Uh, more jobs, more industry. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but it looks like that's not um, the priority. It's, it, it's probably lazy government, to be honest. Well, it's, let's just give our mates at Eon more money. I might be mentioning that a little bit more later on. Yeah. <laughs> My final story is linked to the cost of living. You mentioned in the article there, Adam, about food and essentials and things and another where that local councils have been trying to help is with holiday food voucher schemes. However... According to the BBC, more than 20 councils in England are not offering food vouchers to children over the Christmas holidays. BBC analysis has found the number of councils no longer offering vouchers has continued to grow since August, with 21 having now scrapped the scheme. The Food Foundation charity said it was vitally important all eligible children received holiday support. But the local government association said some councils could not afford to continue offering the vouchers. Zoe McIntyre, school project manager at the Food Foundation, which campaigns on food policy, said the fact some had dropped such schemes was creating a postcode lottery on who is receiving additional support and who isn't. Families needed extra to cope with soaring food and fuel costs when children were not in school, she said. Families with children on free school meals have been offered supermarket vouchers during the school holiday since footballer Marcus Rashford's successful campaign during the pandemic. In England, 1.9 million children are eligible for free school meals. Initially, the vouchers were funded directly by the government. However, in 2021, this was replaced by the Household Support Fund, a grant given to councils to spend on helping vulnerable families. Most authorities initially chose to carry on voucher schemes for children. In the same year, the government's holiday activity and food scheme began, providing funding to councils to provide free holiday provision for children on free school meals, including food and activities. The BBC asked councils in England if they were continuing the scheme over the Christmas school holidays. Of the 125 councils that came back, 94 are offering vouchers, 10 have opted to offer a cash payment instead of vouchers, and a further 21 have opted to provide support in other ways. What do you think of these Scrooge-like councils, Adam? In terms of the councils... There's a lot of councils that parlour mismanaged the money and I could actually criticise Bradford Council here, uh, where we were, that they were actually spending an awful lot on diversity and inclusion. I think it were over £600,000. It was announced this week in the Telegraph and Argus on diversity and inclusion managers and yet they're in loads of debt and they're, they're struggling. Um, so councils are mismanaging the money. We've also got soaring inflation, which means that um, the money's eroded as costs. It makes it harder for them to fund. Of course, if they can't manage the money correctly, then they're going to have problems. This is basic Maslow's hierarchy and needs stuff. You need to get the basics right before you can elevate anything else. I think if there is so much as one child going hungry in your ward, then you shouldn't be spending your money on anything else. It's a ridiculous that we have children going hungry in this country. Yeah, but there's a lot of 
people in the Labour Party, like Susan Hinchcliffe, for example, who will say that the the basic need is um, equality um, managers over food. I literally cannot stand for that. But we're not going to see much change in it in the local elections this year, are we, Adam? <laughs> no, we're probably going to see any the Conservative seats that they do have over the other side of Bradford. We're going to see them turn to Labour probably anywhere. Well, I will say, I, I did try to find the names of these councils who haven't provided the vouchers. I know from my work, Bradford isn't one of them. Bradford families are being provided with vouchers. In fact, Bradford schools have been provided extra vouchers to give to families who are really in need. So all I will say and advise people in Bradford that if your family is in need, then speak up, tell someone. If you do have kids, schools can be a source of help. Don't be proud. Ask for that help because it's surprising how much is there and going unclaimed. Yes, that is probably a good thing. But then then when you see the work like the clean air zone, they're having to fund this by destroying Bradford's businesses because if people have to pay money, you know, like if lorry drivers, van drivers, taxi drivers haven't got environmentally friendly vehicles, if they've got to pay money to go into the city centre, it then means that all the local shops, that if their import costs go up, then it costs more for them to... um, more for them to sell, which actually distracts people from going into the city centre. So uh, the Bradford Council are going the wrong way about it in, support, um, in supporting the local businesses. So obviously they're basically just drawing the city centre for this. Yeah, they're an absolute shower. And I intend to clearly tell them what I think when local elections come up next year. And I'm going to have a guess. You'll probably be spoiling your ballot. <laughs> I'll, consider, I'll consider it cl- more closely at times, just like I do every election. Yeah, I always watch and listen to the debates and the materials and what the candidates put out. But Hinchcliffe and her mob are going to get in anyway. It's not going to make a difference. Of course they are. Um, they're going to win all of the Bradford South seats, um, let's face it, I think. Especially with the way the Conservative Party is nationally, because people vote in that direction. But and they'll probably lose some in the other part of the district. But we'll have to wait and see. But I'm I'm not confident that they're going to do very well this year. In fact, I'm very confident that they'll do very terrible this year. Well, we'll save looking forward for next week, Adam, because now it's time for us to look back to our top stories of 2022. Now, a few rules for this before we get into it. I think um, we've done three podcast specials this year, all within like a month of each other. There was the death of the Queen and the resignations of Liz Truss and Boris Johnson. So, of course, they're the top three, I think, especially the Queen's death. So, because there's not much to debate and discuss there, we're going to talk about our top three news stories apart from those, aren't we? Yes, we are. And I could have got more. I could have actually got the wrong race round, but I didn't didn't bother with that, it's all confusing anyway. And I didn't even know where to start with it. And we'll go in reverse order, so three, two and one. So what's your third choice, Adam? I thought the Liverpool shooting was a big, very big one. It seemed to have caught a lot of people's attention. The Liverpool shooting, it got people talking. Um, it was a horrible case. Um, this it was, was a little girl that died. This was in August, wasn't it? It was Olivia yes. pratt Corbel. Yes, it was, yeah. So the nine-year-old Olivia was shot at her mother 
uh, struggled with two men at their home in Liverpool on Monday night, and I remember it was a because I heard some news about it a bit ago. It's still in, still ongoing, um, but um, people have been arrested for it. But it was during a burglary. My tragic number three um, was the actual leadership contest yeah. leading up to Liz Trust. Those extraordinary debates that we had with um, all five candidates, including Kerry Bednock. Oh, there was that other fella who did really well in one of the debates. Tom Tuganat. Tuganat, that's it, yeah. And, of course, Rishi and Liz. And I really enjoyed watching all of those debates. And I remember being really panicked in one of the debates where the host took ill. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that. I was watching that on TV and none of us knew what happened. Yeah, we, I, we were worried they'd got um, attacked or something. There was just a minute or two of sheer well, panic was, there. Was that shortly there? about five or ten minutes until they told us what happened? Yeah, it was. It was a, a scary Maybe moment. Maybe 15 minutes, I'm not sure, but it was a long time anyway. And then Liz Trush won the whole thing and I remember how hopeful everyone was until she had her announcement with Quasi and then it all went horribly, horribly wrong. And then we started again, but we didn't have the debates this time. Uh, I think our podcast after that, I think I titled it something like Dear Oh Dear. <laughs> it was that, it was just that bad. Yeah. You can find that. I think that I've still got that one up in the archive. Good. So moving on to our number twos, your number two is my number one, Adam. So we'll skip past that for now and come back to it in, in a minute. Yeah. Uh, and I'll share my number two with you, which is, as I've mentioned here, it's the soaring profits of the energy companies. I have to keep mentioning it. This year, BP's profits tripled. Shell have made record profits of $10 billion this year. British Gas have multiplied their profits by five. Eon made double of that. Scottish Power made $1 billion for the first time. And our privately owned National Grid also announced record profits this year. So someone out there is having a good Christmas, and it ain't us. I agree, um, because a lot of the companies that supply the oil and gas, because prices have been so elevated, it means that they can end up producing record profits because they also get to sell them for a, a, a very elevated price. So the producers are the ones making the money here. I'm convinced that the only way they've been able to get away with it is because most of our politicians have vested interest in these energy scumbags possibly you may be right there we've got to make it competitive for them to invest in the country as well uh, but yeah um a lot of them may have um for example shares a lot of these companies are floated on the stock market for example so that means that anyone can invest in them we don't know the politicians um, portfolios but they may have shares in some of these companies you don't know they do provide an, a lot of wealth to the the country. These companies, they pay out very high dividends, so they're very attractive investments for people. Um, I can, and even a lot of pension funds. So if you've got a pension, um, it's likely that some of your pension funds may be invested in these companies as well. So if, if they did make it less profitable, it would affect people's pension funds as well. I'd be willing to sacrifice my pension if, and I hope and pray and dream 
fusion technology takes off. We find a source of cheap, clean, virtually unlimited power, and all of these energy companies have their business model destroyed overnight. Oh, that would make me so happy. Wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. They'd have to cry off the decks of their expensive billion-pound yachts. Yeah. I hate the scumbags, and I wish them a terrible 2023. But it won't be. They'll probably make massive profits again. But will they make it as high as last year? Because if the price of oil's fallen and the price of gas and electricity has fallen, they might not make as quite as much as what they did in the previous year. I wonder if we made any predictions about that. Hmm. <laughs> Coming up in the next 10 minutes. <laughs> But first of all, our number one articles. Um, Adam, what do you think was the number one news story through 2022? Well, I actually had the cost of living as my number one article because I think the cost of living has been um, on many people's minds this year. Um, It's affected people up and down the country. Inflation's been really high for like the past two years now. Um, it's still very high. There is signs of it easing, though. Um, the latest figures show that it went down to 10.7%. Prices are still elevated. People's wages are taking time to catch up. There's a lot of industrial action. People are very annoyed about this. I think this is one of the effects of the pandemic, to be honest, in my opinion. And also, the Russia and Ukraine war did not help things out. Um, we saw inflation surge further when that started but I think this has been a very big story in the past year and hopefully it'll calm down through 2023. I definitely have no issue with you making that number one, Adam, because it is a real issue that has affected everybody, real people. And people have been talking about it, haven't they? People have been talking about how things are going up and um, how they can't afford things. So I do think it's been probably the most talked about story of the year. But I've got... A little bit of competition for it. This was your number two choice. Um, My number one story of this year is something that at the start of the year we didn't even think of. And then in February we thought maybe something might happen here. And, And then it did and it's affected everything else. It's the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's been on the news regularly, although it's quietened down because it's pretty much gone to stalemate now, hasn't it? Both sides seem to be in a defensive position. Vladimir has um, nipped off to America to have a chat with um, yes, the old man, hasn't he? Yeah. Crazy. But I think it's probably just going to be siege warfare for Russia for the next few months. Um, well, Ukraine run out of resources and power. Yeah, I think so. So yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Well, I think... Putin's siege tactics could be the undoing of him because while Ukraine may appear to be getting weaker and having a tough winter, it also gives Ukraine time to rally allies like the US. Will the Russia-Ukraine war end in 2023? Maybe that's something for us to talk about next week. I'm actually being focusing on it. The worries that it may escalate into nuclear war, I think that's highly unlikely. I think it would have happened if it was going to happen now. My main concern with this, obviously, is how it affects um, supply disruption um, around the world. Once other countries get producing, which they are doing now, China's coming out of lockdown, for example... I do think that um, inflation will sort itself out and the whole world will go back to where it um, probably should be. Well, I'm not taking any predictions off the table as far as Putin's concerned. Um, The guy's a madman. 
Um, Fair enough. But to be honest, though, Joe Biden is probably just as senile as he is. Yeah, and I saw him. He just didn't look well last night when I saw him on TV. It looked awful. I only heard him on the radio, and he was yeah. barely coherent there. Uh, they're just keeping him in his box, aren't they? Yeah. It's time for us to talk about our predictions from last year and mm. see see how we did. How embarrassing. Yeah, I've <laughs> forgotten what my predict- exact predictions were. I've, I've got them here, Adam, and you've got your head on the table nearly. <laughs> so I made 11 predictions and you made four. So let's let's see what we said and how we've done. So the first prediction was mine, and I predicted that the Queen would not die, but will have a serious illness. You fool! She did die, unfortunately. Yes, yep, so that's a definite... She had a serious illness, of course, because obviously that happens when she dies, but yeah, you predicted that she did not die, so... Well, there's been all sorts of conjecture as what her actual cause of death was. And yeah, it hasn't barely been revealed to the public, it just said uh, old age on the thing. Yeah, and it's none of their business, to be honest. No. Eventually, in history, I'm sure we'll find out. But well, or maybe our children or grandchildren will find out. But it's none of their business, so fair enough. My next prediction was that Prince Andrew would remain a free man, and I got this one right. Uh, he's still out there, bold as brass, um, yeah. not in jail, sadly. And my third one was my celebrity death picks. <laughs> I make three a year. I predicted that Ric Flair, the wrestler. Angela Lansbury, the actress, and June Brown from EastEnders would die. And this one I'm giving myself half a point for because Angela Lansbury and June Brown sadly did pass away this year. But Ric Flair, he actually wrestled a flipping match this year. I couldn't believe it. So he's very much still alive. So half a point for that one for me. On to one of your predictions, Adam. So your first prediction was that there would be a record number of migrant crossings. And you were absolutely spot on. You were right. Um, well, we're over 40,000 and we're not we're not completely, you know, we're not going to get many more because the weather's bad, but um, it was a record number. So uh, maybe not quite as high as what I'd have expected, but um, I, I still predicted that there would be a record number. So, yeah, I think I can safely say that I got that one right. I wonder if that's a prediction you'll repeat next year. You know, we'll have that for you next week, just before New Year, guys. So, um, three more predictions from me. My next prediction was that Boris Johnson would remain as Prime Minister. You fool! He finally got kicked out mm. after... I can't actually remember what the final scandal was. Great Chris Pincher or something. That's it, yeah, it was a Pincher scandal. And Yeah, Richie Sunak had already been planning and Savage Evid, when the next scandal's up, we're going to quit. <laughs> yeah, and, and they did, and, and yeah, Boris was finally done for. That could... was just an excuse, that scandal, as a way to get in as Prime Minister than being preparing for it. But what I think we'd have never predicted is that we'd get through another Prime Minister after Boris Johnson. No, none of us predicted that. That was just unbelievable times. Another prediction I made is that the BBC licence fee would remain frozen, and I got that one right. Well done. It's still bad times for the BBC, and um, I can't see things getting any better for them. The BBC did a pretty good job with the Queen this year, and I think that's maybe brought them some time, but they're still losing a lot of funding, and Mm. Becoming lesser and lesser 
slightly related to the BBC. This is one to do with entertainment. And you made a prediction with me on this. Um, I predicted that comedy would see a resurgence, a new golden age of comedy. You fool! And you strongly disagreed with that. Yeah. I was wrong. You were right. <laughs> well, comedy's just getting cancelled and it's getting worse, Is cancel culture. Do you know, um, just this morning I was watching the Steptoe and Son Christmas special from 1973 and it, it's very old, very basic comedy, but I was laughing my head off at just how funny and sweet it was and, and they didn't care about offending anyone you know they were making mm. jokes about sitting next to a fat bird at Christmas dinner and they wouldn't even dare to do that now would the most of them no but it was just pure funny I come on let's sort out a seating arrangements uh, there's uh, five birds coming to dinner which one do you want to sit next to I don't care alright you're sat there Mr Albert Steptoe now how about Miss Sheila Fig on your right and Miss Elsie Harmer on your left. <laughs> What's wrong with that? I'd send them sit next to the elves. <laughs> very nice girls. I'm not going to get much grub sitting next to Elsie Harmer, am I? A 28-pound bird on the table and an 18-stone bird sitting next to me. <laughs> you not have to bother with carving with her around. Yeah, that's true. Do you remember the way she ripped that side of beef to pieces on Guy Fawkes night? <laughs> With her bare hands. <laughs> the life out of me. I thought you liked her. She fancies you. Now, girls. Oh, she does. She told me. She likes little blokes because they can't struggle so much. Get your wife me. She can go there. Who else is coming? Uh, Joyce, uh, Beryl and Hermione. I love Joyce and Beryl. No, you want mine, mine. You don't want two. I told you, I'm going to enjoy this Christmas. I like to keep one in reserve, in case the other one flakes out. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can have Hermione, then, eh? And, and, and Sheila Fick. I don't know them. Well, they're all right. But you've got to be a bit careful. Keep your hands above the table. Because <laughs> Chris and Arthur fancied them. Well, scrub out Chris and Arthur, then. I can't. They're bringing them. Lord, I can see me getting lumbered with gargantua. <laughs> Don't worry. If I see her carrying you upstairs, I shall blow the whistle. <laughs> it's such a shame that comedy has been politicised and... Oh, I, I Everything's hope, getting politicised these days, though, isn't it? Yeah, I, I hope comedy gets its free pass back. It, it, it's got to eventually. That that, that's why. That's why I love to watch Andrew Doyle on Free Speech Nation. Obviously, they have some comedians on the show, and uh, they're actually trying to encourage. Um, free comedy but obviously even the law and what they can broadcast with Ofcom restricts all that as well Well I'm looking forward to Christmas Eve because um, a comedian called Andrew Lawrence is posting on YouTube his first stand-up set since he got banned for making a joke about the Black England players um, yeah. I think it was during the European Cup and he's yeah. been cancelled ever since, but he's made a return to comedy just at the end of this year. Yeah. The next prediction came from you, Adam. Oh, this is an interesting one. You predicted that Boris Johnson would lose his job, and I pushed you on this and said, who do you think would replace him? You were very hesitant, but you said it, he might be replaced by 
Liz Truss. In Avila. You've got it spot on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only temporary, though, but yeah. <laughs> yep, when you're right, you're right, though. Boris lost his job and was replaced by Liz Truss. I'm doing well, well so far. Oh, yeah, you're doing, you're doing better than I am. Um, my next prediction was that the general public this year would have been asked to take one more COVID jab. You fool! Mm. Although there have been more COVID jabs, they have yeah. not been offered to the general public. They haven't. And I actually got offered one, well, I don't know why I ain't took it, but I got offered one recently. I think it was because of my autism and I think the class is a learning disability. But I thought, well, I've already had COVID once. I've had three jabs and it's more like a cold anyway. I didn't get COVID that bad. Um, so from what I can see, I'd rather have COVID again than the vaccine. So I decided I didn't want to bother taking it. I've seen what COVID's like myself firsthand. Well, we're not giving medical advice no, out And here. everyone's different. Everyone's body's different. So I must stress that. <laughs> we're just talking about what us as individuals. And <laughs> I've chosen not to take any extra jab either because call me crazy, but an old fashioned. But I remember the days when if you got a vaccine, it stops you getting the disease. And it stops you spreading the disease. And this Some vaccine... vaccines <laughs> do, but obviously COVID mutates so much that the vaccines can't keep up with it anywhere. So I'm not wasting my time. <laughs> <laughs> the next one from me was that big tech companies would take steps to remove password technology. And while there has been a rise in biometrics and other ways of verification, um, that is a big... You fool! It's still mm. mostly passwords, isn't it? Yeah. And the penultimate one from me was that WH Smith's physical branches would close. You fool! Smith's is still open for another year. I think I did agree with some of these on with you, but obviously, yeah, the, obviously it didn't quite happen fast enough. And yeah, it is still open for another year at least. My final prediction, <laughs> this, this is the worst one I think, I predicted, and remember this was in January 2022, I predicted that the Russian supermarket chain Mia would open several branches in the UK. <laughs> and that is a big fat... You fool! <laughs> because, as we know, Russia and Ukraine went to war and all the Russian companies were um, penalised. Yeah. So Mia have not opened any branches. In fact, they probably closed the branches mm-hmm. that they have got. I, I couldn't find any news about it, but I assume they're closed. And the last prediction from you, Adam, yeah. was you predicted that by the end of 2022, there would be no more COVID restrictions in this country. <laughs> Spot on. I, I can't think of any significant COVID restrictions off top of my head. In fact, I can't think of any off the, top of my the, head. The masks have gone, aren't they? So they've all gone now. I'm all, maybe in the pharmacies, I'm not sure. Well, I'd have to have a look into that. I think we seem to have gone to the model that um, Eastern countries have where people wear masks as a courtesy to other people. So if you're ill, you've got yeah. a cold, you wear a mask if you're, if you're out in public. And, well, and I think that's... It's a, not enforced. It's not... No. I don't think it's necessarily law now, but, yeah, it might still be advised, but it's not maybe law. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, you know, wear your mask to keep other people safe mm. from you. Yeah. And, and that was what the science seemed to be before COVID. And then COVID happened and the mask science went all crazy. And, you know, even though all these years, they still haven't released a conclusive study about masks, have they? 
No, they haven't, and it does seem that it protects the other person more than yourself. Maybe it protects you. The, it only protects the person very, very marginally, if at, if at all, from what my understanding. My brother told me it's the equivalent of putting up a chain-link fence to keep out mice. Yeah. So looking at our predictions, I made 11, and eight of them were wrong, <laughs> two of them were right, and one was neither. So that gave me a success rate of about a quarter, 23%. And Adam, you made four predictions, and every single one of them was correct. 100% high five. So we all know who we should be listening to on this podcast next week. <laughs> so does that mean you're going to go with my voting choices? Or? <laughs> Adam Parson, he's always right. Not always. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But it does appear that I'm more accurate. So I do get things wrong. I must admit that. And I'm sure I will get things wrong. But, yeah, I, I do study the news a lot. I study what's going on in the world. So I have a good idea. And you can see that I study it, especially when I've got um, stuff like when I look at all the commodities and stuff on here. That's why when I got the notion of doing a podcast like this one and a half years ago, I I knew you were the man to go in with, Adam, because you have such a deep passion and an interest in these things. And Did you think I'd be able to study it like this, though? (laughs) To be honest, yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, al- I've always had faith in, in you. And, yeah, uh, I do get things wrong, but um, like you say, you can see the predictions who came off better. <laughs> yep, yeah, uh, well, next week, after a great Christmas, hopefully, we'll um, make some more, yeah? Yes. And then, and then um, we'll get into another year of breaking news. I'm just thinking, I'm going to make some important predictions even if I'm not necessarily confident on them. So I might try and predict what's going to happen with the cost of living and see what happens there. That's a good idea. If you got 100% this year, maybe branch out a bit and be a bit braver next year. (laughs) It's okay to be wrong, isn't it? Yeah. And and that's something that I hope we get by on this podcast, that, you know, it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to change your mind. And anything is up for debate and discussion in a reasonable way. Yep, it is. Um, Thank you for coming over um this afternoon roger um i think it's been quite a nice afternoon uh, we've been able to see what our predictions were and obviously what the biggest news is and next week of course we will be making predictions for next year and we're going to debate a bit of news as well yep so i wish you and yours a very very merry christmas yeah stay happy stay safe ask for help if you need it shout out if you're going to be alone If you want to share any predictions or top stories or anything about the news, or just wish us a Merry Christmas, breakthenewspod at gmail.com. You know what to do. Merry Christmas, Roger. Thank you for my GB News Cup. And thank you for my bottle of Dr. (laughs) Pepper. Take care, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. After 12 years of Tories, the country's on its knees. Railways on strike, nurses on strike. It's finally here, racing up the charts, higher than a penalty from Harry Kane. I can't feel my toes. Baby, it's cold inside. Now that's a cost of living Christmas. The album you simply can't afford to buy. Driving's too expensive. A collection of the not-so-hottest Christmas tunes ever recorded. We're using a loan shark this Christmas to Check the thermostat is working Festive favourites like You may get a payment 
of six hundred pounds. Send a bailiff and go and get your flat screen TV. And by popular demand, will Rishi be gone by Christmas? Will Rishi be gone by Christmas? Oh, come on, guys! You can't buy now. That's a cost of living Christmas in the shops. But then again, you can't buy anything in the shops. Jesus Christ! Look at that price. And Mary's boiler. Jesus Christ! Turned off. Get your copy today before the price doubles again. Can't afford a holiday now. I'm in debt over Christmas debt over Christmas paying off the interest forever. Even Granny gets a mention. Grandma won't go home because she's freezing. Plus, for every copy sold, ten million pounds goes to your energy provider. It was only a windfall tax. Now that's a cost of living Christmas. The album you simply can't afford to buy. Baby, all I want for Christmas is fuel. 